Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. We are live on AMP, so if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast feeds, don't forget that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. We're continuing our player rankings today with number two, Mr. Steph Curry. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to The Volume's YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason LT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. And last but not least, it may be the NBA offseason. It might be kind of a slow stretch for sports, obviously. We pretty much only have baseball right now, although it's much harder than it used to be to watch baseball on television. I'm a big D-backs fan growing up here in Arizona. Just can't get it with my YouTube TV subscription. So you got to go to a, a stadium to see them. But other than that, not a whole lot going on in the sports world. But there's a ton of touring musicians and comedians going around the country right now. And the best way to get tickets to any of these is on Game Time, the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States for amazing last minute deals on tickets to see your favorite baseball team, band, or comedian. Download Game Time. Again, it's not just sports. August means huge summer concerts and comedy shows all across the country. And Game Time has your tickets. Download the Game Time app and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app, enter code HOOPS, that's H O O P S, for $20 off. No matter where you live, get out and have some fun this week. Download the Game Time app. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. All right, let's talk some basketball. So why do I have Steph Curry at number two? Like I said yesterday, I view a clear-cut top tier in the form of Giannis, Steph, and Nikola Jokic. Um, the gist of it is, is those three guys, we have six current active 
former finals MVPs, right? Uh, but with LeBron, there's been a, a little, little bit of a decline that we've seen in the last few years. Kawhi Leonard literally can't stay healthy and on the court for an entire playoff run. And Kevin Durant hasn't won a finals MVP since 2018 and is coming off of two of his lesser playoff runs in his career. So I wanted to kind of make a clear delineation between number four and the rest of the field and three up because these are the last three guys who all in the last 25 months have been consistently great regular season players. Each of them have won a finals MVP. Uh, Nikola Jokic and Giannis in particular have won MVPs as well during that span. Those three are clearly a level above the rest of the field, at least in terms of the level of recognition that they deserve for what they've accomplished Recently, Now, the reason why I have him below Jokic, pretty simple. Nikola Jokic just dominated everybody, including a bunch of his peers on his way to winning the title. He deserves to be the clear-cut number one this year. I have him above Giannis because Giannis is demonstrating some clear signs of regression in terms of his skill set, particularly free-throw shooting and really anything away from the paint and uh, away from the rim, I should say. And in addition to that, it like straight-up cost his team in the first-round series against Miami as the Bucks lost a series they had no pro- no uh, business losing, even if we acknowledge the Giannis injury. So I think it makes perfect sense to have Steph in there at number two. I'll go even further. I personally very much regret not putting Steph at number one in my list last year. Now, the reasoning was at the time, I was so impressed by Giannis in that second round loss to the Boston Celtics in how without Chris Middleton and with the complete combustion of every spot-up player on the roster, he still had them this close to winning that series and advancing to the conference finals. And I didn't think Giannis deserved to get knocked off simply because his team was injured. But I should have applied the same amount of appropriate credit and respect for getting the job done that I'm applying to Jokic right now. I should have applied that to Steph last year. So I regret making that particular decision. So when I look back on the 22, uh, 2022 season now, I feel like we, as a basketball community, should view Steph as having been the best player in the world during that 2022 season. But, you know, can't go back and erase the past. It is what it is. I, like I said, I regret it. But as of right now, I feel very comfortable putting Steph in at number two. Now, let's talk a little bit about last year. So, in this previous season... As I predicted, because the year before, the year that they won the title, he actually had a down regular season, if you remember. It was like the first time he shot below 40% from three in a full season in a long time. It was just a weird season where he just wasn't quite the same uh, uh, productive player. And I think it was fluky. I thought it was fluky in the t- at the moment. And I remember after they won the title, I was like, clearly this playoff run demonstrates that the regular season was fluky. Steph should get back on track this season. And he absolutely did. 29 points per game, six rebounds and six assists, 66% true shooting, which is obviously completely outrageous. Played in 56 games. It was a really weird Warriors season. A bunch of young players were dissatisfied in their roles. This is the, one of the big reasons why I've been so critical of the two timelines plan. Um, it's one thing if in a perfect world, if you can navigate everyone's personalities, it can make some sense. But the big downside is, is that's not how life works. And in, in life, like everyone has a personality, everyone has an ego, everyone has expectations in a situation. And so if you're Jonathan Kaminga or you're James Wiseman or you're Jordan Poole, you have a certain expectation of what your life should be like. You have a certain expectation of what your uh, what your role on an NBA team should be. And like, imagine being James Wiseman or Jonathan Kaminga in particular, players that were the, you know, best, some of the best players in the country coming up, and suddenly you're riding pine in the NBA. And 
And even though you probably deserve to play, and your buddies, who are also at the top of their classes in high school, are elsewhere in the league, just off making mistakes. You're watching them be able to play 30 minutes a night, no matter how many turnovers they get, no matter how many missed shots they get. Meanwhile, you're on the Golden State Warriors, and you can't get in because Steve Kerr doesn't trust you to defend and to make the right decisions offensively. Now, for the record, no one's wrong. Like, Steve Kerr has an obligation to lead his team to win basketball games. And Jonathan Kaminga wasn't ready. And James Wiseman wasn't ready. And when Jordan Poole was struggling in this playoff run, he had to make a move in a different direction in terms of the rotation, right? He had no choice. His obligation is to win basketball games. So is it for Steph, for Klay Thompson, for Draymond Green, for Andrew Wiggins, for Con Looney, for, for all those guys, right? And so I'm not blaming anybody on the Warriors' front. It's just the reality of the situation. You're asking a bunch of younger players who, like everyone else in their early 20s, kind of lacks long-term perspective, right? Because I would argue that there's great value in learning how to play basketball in that environment. But try telling that to a 21-year-old who's watching his buddy drop 27 on 27 shots. You know what I mean? Like, So I, I understand where those guys were coming from. I don't blame anybody, but that's what happened. There was a clear you know, fissure taking place between the younger players on the roster and the older players on the roster. And you combine that with the Draymond punch and the fact that the team just couldn't gel on the road at all, all season. And it just was kind of a disaster. I mean, Steph did everything he could to float the ship, but things just never really settled down. I mean, Steph scored 40 or more points six times this season. And the Warriors were only 500 in those games. He had 50 twice and they lost both of those games. He was like the lighthouse in the storm, but there was just nothing he could do with all of that chaos around him to really get them to settle down and get into a groove. As a matter of fact, the Warriors were just 30 and 26 in the game Steph played this season, despite how good he was offensively. Now, let's take a look at the play, uh, some of the play type data. As you can imagine, with Steph Curry, his half-court creation numbers were just completely off the damn charts. He ran 778 pick and rolls this year, which led to 914 points. That's 1.18 points per possession. Now, that didn't qualify for a high volume list, right? Because our high volume list was a minimum of 1,000. But if I adjust that list from 1,000 to 750, there are 34 players in the NBA this year that ran at least 750 pick and rolls. And Steph ranked number one in the entire NBA in pick-and-roll efficiency at 1.18 points per possession. We're going to talk a lot more about pick-and-roll here in a few minutes because I want to highlight the Lakers series as a demonstration of Steph's superpower, how completely unguardable he is, and the way that he solved the Lakers' pick-and-roll coverage. We will get to that here in a little bit. 1.07 points per ISO. That was in the 76th percentile, although very low volume uh, compared to some of his peers. Steph just doesn't run a ton of ISOs. Um, he certainly could. It's just it's not what he needs to do in that particular offense. Although he does end up having to lean on that a little bit more when he gets to the po- uh, the postseason. Off screen actions. Uh, the Warriors. Just so you guys know, this is actually a crazy stat. The Warriors run more off ball screens than any team in the NBA. To give you an idea, the Warriors took a shot off of an off ball screen 958 times this year. 958, almost a thousand. Right. The Jazz were in second place at 724. And 24 of the 30 NBA teams ran fewer than 400 off-screen plays leading to shots. 
So that like when I talk about how the Lakers, or excuse me, the Warriors run more motion than everybody, they uh, run more sets than everybody, they take more shots in sets than everybody. It's literally not even close. The Warriors just run more organized offense than anybody in the league by a mile. Steph personally shot 52% effective field goal percentage in off-screen plays, scored 1.03 points per possession. Here's a little bit of trivia for you guys. Which guy do you think led the NBA this year in points coming off of off-ball screens? Take a guess. The correct answer is Clay Thompson at 407. This is how crazy this is. Clay Thompson led the league in points off screens at 407. Second place was Laurie Markinen at 235. So Clay Thompson, in and of himself, is like the only guy in the league that leans that heavily on off screen stuff himself. Um, Steph was also the very best dribble handoff player in the league last year, 1.2 points per possession. He was number one out of 20 players to run at least 100 dribble handoffs. He was 1.34 points per spot-up possession, which is absolutely outrageous. 67% effective field goal percentage. Now, low volume, because obviously Steph doesn't get a ton of spot-up looks, but if I uh, run a filter, there were 182 players in the NBA last year, basically half the league, who took at least 150 spot-up possessions. And you guessed it, Steph was number one on that list with his 1.34 points per possession number. So, how do you become the best pick-and-roll player in the league, the best dribble handoff player in the league, the best spot-up player in the league, basically uh, the best half-court shot creator in the league? How do you do that? Through incredible shot-making. And just just get ready, because these numbers are just completely ridiculous. Catch-and-shoot jump shots, Steph, 62% effective field goal percentage. Pull-up jump shots, Steph, 61% effective field goal percentage. That was best in the league. Only player in the league over 60% in effective field goal percentage. 45% on floaters. 73% in the restricted area. On volume. Not only is 73% insane for a guard in the restricted area, but 2.2 makes per game. That's more than Kawhi Leonard. That's more than Kevin Durant. That's more than James Harden. He actually got to the rim quite a bit during this season. I've said, you guys might remember, um, there was kind of a crazy sequence like a month ago where uh, uh, Steph hits that like crazy putt where he like puts it up the hill and then it like slowly rolls down and goes into the hole and he starts walking away before it goes in. And I tweeted out, I was like, Steph has the best hand-eye coordination in sports. And literally the very next day, he hits a hole-in-one in the same tournament. You, you But like that hand-eye coordination, you can specifically see in the shot-making. Nobody is better in all of sports at precise body movements and muscle memory the way that Steph Curry is. That's his superpower. And that's the reason that despite being below 6'4", he's really the only player that's below 6'4", that will probably ever get consideration in the top 20 all-time NBA players. If you ask people to build their top 20 lists, it's a bunch of dudes 6'6 six, six and taller and Steph Curry. And yet every once in a while, you might find someone who throws Dwayne Wade in there on that list somewhere. He's 6'4 and freaky athletic. Steph has completely broken the mold for what succeeds in the NBA. You can be a small guard and be good in the NBA, but to be truly transcendently, unbelievably, historically great, it's unheard of, except for Steph. And, and, and that, that hand-eye coordination superpower, I think, is what drives that. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. 
And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So looking at the playoff run, he absolutely eviscerated the Sacramento Kings, um, despite the Warriors' road struggles continuing as they fell down 2-0 in that series. He averaged 34-5-5 on 62% true shooting and drops 50 in Game 7. And I went back and watched uh, most of that game this morning, and he missed a lot of shots that he normally makes in that game. So, like, that 50 could just have easily have been 60 or 65. Um, the Lakers series wasn't his best statistical series, but it was the first time. I, I could just say, like, the stats don't really tell the story there because Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson both kind of, like, spontaneously combusted in that series. They both combined to take 157 shots and only scored 147 points on them. And with that and some of the offensive limitations in the front court, it really became Steph solo versus the entire Laker defense. And so obviously there was going to be a dip in efficiency. And I can say personally, as as you guys know, the only team that I'm really a fan of right now is the Lakers because I'm a fan of LeBron James. And when he retires, I pretty much won't have a team that I specifically root for. And so like that, this is one of the last times that I'm going to be experiencing like what it's like rooting for a series as a fan. And I can tell you, rooting against Steph Curry in that series was absolutely terrifying. It was like there was literally nothing they could do with them. And so this is where I want to get to um, the Steph pick and roll thing because you know we talk a lot about the skills necessary to be a a successful pick and roll ball handler on this show right like you got to have a really good handle so that you can set your man up for screens you've got to be able to shoot off the dribble really well which forces players to go over the top of screens when they're guarding you from there you've got to be able to score anywhere between there and the basket whether that's a long mid-range pull up a floater in the short range or anything around the rim right and then you've got to be able to make all of the reads but that's just like the actual tactile skills involved with uh with pick and roll except for the reads right another big part of it is just the basketball IQ element the chess match element figuring out different angles and spacing and different little tricks to generate better openings and Steph was just unbelievable in that chess match in the Lakers series. And so I wanted to quick kind of break down games one through game four um, and kind of go over that chess match because I thought it was a great example of just how malleable Steph is and how he can figure out things over the course of a playoff series. So in game one, the Warriors primarily run their motion offense. 
The Lakers basically top lock all of the guards, forcing them to back cut. And LeBron James and Anthony Davis are ignoring Draymond Green and Kevon Looney and just trolling the paint, patrolling the paint, and they just shut down the the Warrior offense. And yeah, it got close late because the Lakers let their foot off the gas a little bit, but then after they tied it, they didn't score a bucket the rest of the game because the Laker defense shut them down again. And the Lakers actually led by 14 in the first in the fourth quarter. So the Lakers kind of dominate game one, right? And Steph only runs nine pick and rolls in the entire game. So in game two. The Warriors want to run more pick and roll, but they want to generate more space in that pick and roll. So they bench Kevon Looney, they bring on Jamichael Green, they space the floor, and they just start spamming pick and roll. Steph runs 19 pick and rolls, which would have been more if the game was closer, but the Warriors blew him out. Uh, The Lakers get absolutely cooked by the pocket pass. Steph finishes with 12 assists, and the Warriors win big. Then we go to game three, and Anthony Davis puts on a defensive masterpiece. So essentially, this is where, you know, and again, Anthony Davis got a high spot on this list in large part because of what he was able to do to the Warrior offense. But we talked a lot about the yo-yo, right? The ability to get up to the level of the screen, to do something to disrupt the pocket pass, then to sprint back to the basket and be able to protect the paint. And AD just put on a clinic in game three. He was really, really good at the level of the screen being active with his hands and forcing deflections and turnovers on uh, on that interchange there at the, at the high ball screen, right? So AD dominates the game defensively. The Lakers win big. Game four is the game that I want to use as an example of Steph's basketball IQ. So AD is causing problems up at the level of the screen with his hands, right? How does Steph counter it? He counters it by holding on to the ball longer. Sometimes he'd just drag AD off to the side, so set the screen and just make a bunch of lateral dribbles, which pulls AD over, which created a much bigger pocket for him to make that pass so he didn't have to pass around Anthony Davis's hands as much. Sometimes, too, he would just get over the screen and kind of work his way to the top of the key. He'd pin the dude on his backside and kind of get keep him in jail and just hold it until the big man actually got past Anthony Davis, and then he would like use pass fakes and wrap around AD. I was watching the film this morning. It was like Game 4 was one of the most magnificent pick-and-roll performances I've ever seen. The Lakers were literally throwing the kitchen sink at Steph. He ran 28 pick-and-rolls, and the Warriors scored 38 points on them. That's 1.36 points per possession in pick-and-roll in a pivotal playoff game on the road against the best defense in the league. And they just literally could not do anything with him. And if it wasn't for Lonnie Walker getting hot at the end of the game and Steph Curry, now this is another thing to Anthony Davis's credit, the final possession, he switched the pick and roll and turned Steph into an ISO player and he got a couple of stops. So credit to Anthony Davis there. But, and and again, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but like the reality is, is the Warriors eventually just ran out of gas in that series. Because they weren't getting anything out of Klay Thompson, because they weren't getting anything out of Jordan Poole, because the Lakers were able to throw the kitchen sink at Steph, eventually he fatigued. And over the final three games of the series, Steph was just 10 for 39 from three. And I do think that that's a huge, I think I think that in large part is a, a kind of a residual effect of, of all of the fatigue that built up over the course of the series. But then again, that's where Chris Paul should come in. Like that, that that's where having the ability to offload some of that slow down methodical pick and roll attack to a different guard and giving Steph more off ball possessions where he can relax a little bit more. I think that will help a lot with that specific dynamic. And I think that's why they went that dynamic with or that way with that trade, but make no mistake, like in that situation, 38 points on 28 pick and rolls when Anthony Davis is in almost every action, it was just unbelievable. So here's the bottom line. 
there are a lot of really great offensive players in this league. But there are only two that I view as truly unstoppable. Where even if they don't shoot particularly well, you cannot prevent them from consistently generating great shots for themselves or their teammates. And that's a great example. That game that, the game that I pointed out, the 38 points on 28 pick and rolls, Steph didn't shoot particularly well. But he manufactured points, come hell or high water, with his ability to consistently warp the defense and make the right play. And that's what I'm saying. Like Almost every offensive player down the list... That as we go further down, whether it's Giannis, whether it's Kevin Durant, whether it's LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, all those guys are, to a certain extent, dependent on shot result. Like, Joel Embiid's mid-range jumper stopped going in, his offensive impact fell off a cliff, right? LeBron James couldn't get his pull-up jump shot or, or spot-up jump shot to go at all in this playoff run, suddenly he dropped from 30 points a game to 25 points per game, wasn't even the best player on his team anymore, Right. You know, Jason Tatum is so much depends on whether or not he's making that pull-up three. But when it comes to Steph Curry and Nikola Jokic, they're the only players in this league where no matter what you do, no matter what you throw at them, you cannot stop them in their offense from consistently generating high-quality shots, which are going to go in over the course of a game and certainly over the course of a series. There's no coverage they can't beat. Like, again, the the Lakers literally threw everything at Steph Curry in that series, and there was just nothing that he couldn't solve. There's no adjustment that Steph can't make to find an opening, no matter how great your defense is. Steph is the very best shot maker in the league. He is consistently a threat with or without the basketball, and he's worked incredibly hard to turn himself into a positive defensive player despite his physical limitations. And lastly, and this is the last thing I want to say on the Steph Curry front, He's got a nasty streak. He is one of the most competitive players in the league. I talk a lot about this idea of the difference between loving basketball and hating losing. In my time uh, playing the game, I've met so many players that are incredibly talented. That, But when I'm, when I'm in a situation, whether it's in a, a, an open gym when I was in, in college or pick up basketball here in town now as an adult, like... I would see that guy and I'd, I'd be like, man, he's super talented, but I'd rather not play with him today. Not because of touches or anything like that, but because I don't think he hates losing enough. And I have a feeling that even if he makes a couple of nice plays, that it's going to be a hard, it's going to be a chore to win this game because he's just not going to give a shit enough about doing all of those things. And like, and that's just something as I've grown older, I've noticed the difference between that with players. And then, You'll meet a lot of guys, like I'm, even in my time coaching in high school, there are specific players where it's like he's not as talented as the dude that's in front of him in the rotation, but like sometimes like us and the coaching staff would decide like, hey, we should play him instead because like he's just going to go out there and freaking fight. He's just going to fight because at the end of the day, winning basketball games is like 50% talent, skill, execution, and 50% of it is just a knockdown, drag out fight. And like that's what I love about Steph is like there's a nastiness to him. There's a fight to him. And he is obviously the most gifted shot maker in the league, but none of that matters if he's not nasty. And Steph also has that nasty streak. He's been, you know, it's funny cuz like I during the uh the Steph LeBron rivalry in the mid 2010s, I was younger, right? So I was like what in my early mid 20s, what 24, 25 years old. Um and I couldn't stand Steph, obviously, because I was rooting against him all the time. 
And I was a big LeBron fan. Also, I was just younger, so I struggled to compartmentalize stuff. And uh, as I've grown older, like I have just completely fallen in love with Steph's game. And it's funny now looking back because like he's legitimately my second favorite player in the league behind LeBron. And I like absolutely love watching him play and I've become such a huge fan of his and like it took time and distance <laughs> from that to to kind of figure it out. But like I I I it's it's just been kind of a cool uh like journey as a fan to kind of see the difference in the way that I view Steph now versus the way that I viewed him ten years ago. Uh, or I should say like eight, seven, eight years ago. All right, guys, I, that puts Steph at number two. We got number one tomorrow. Big shock. It's going to be Nikola Jokic. I'm excited to uh, talk about that for a little bit tomorrow. And then heading into next week, we're going to be doing our all-time player rankings. Uh, actually, I think we're just looking at the last 25 years, so basically everything post-MJ. So that'll be fun as well. Three weeks of that, and then we have three weeks of season previews heading into training camp. And from there, we'll be breaking down actual basketball. Um, that's all I have for today. As always, I sincerely appreciate you guys and I will see you tomorrow. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.